So our scripture lesson today is from the first letter of John, chapter 4, and I'll read 7 through 12. Nope, I think I'm going to read 7 through 21. Hear God's word, 1 John 4, starting at 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Your friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us, he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. This, by the way, is my mug that says, life is better connected. It was given to me by the small groups folks on the day that I was um, installed here as pastor. And handily, I forgot my bottle today, and since I'm the small group table at the ministry fair, it's just a little advertisement for that. There you go. Simple, yet profound. No service. Did I do that? All right, make a deal. My hands are empty, so whoever watching in the war room, make sure that we flip, sli flip slides. Simply yet profound. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Today is commissioning Sunday. It's uh, ministry fair Sunday. It's a Sunday where we kind of start everything off and get everybody connected and involved in the different parts of the church. And we're doing that because our basic marching order, the simple marching order of the church, is to love one another. And we do that because we're God followers and love comes from God. Now, that is actually incredibly simple and straightforward, right? No one's going, where did you get that from? 
right? That is a baseline of what it means to follow Jesus. However, we have a challenge in this thought. And I'm not sure I even know exactly how to articulate it. So I hear this sort of secondhand, and I'll deal with that a little later in the message. I hear, yeah, we, we hear about love, but we need to know more. We need to know what the rules are. We need to know what the boundaries are. And I wonder about that. For what reason do we need to have more clarity about who's in, who's out, what's right, what's wrong, if we have already an understanding that our marching orders are love? So if at some point, obviously not right now, you want to help clarify that for me, I would love that conversation. And I am curious. I, I, want, to, I want to work on that conversation because I know that reality lives among us. Because to me, this basic marching order, let's love one another for love comes from God, goes along with Paul saying things like, against such thing there is no law. So if we do the loving, graceful things, there's no need for understanding what the law is. Love covers that. Love covers a multitude of sins, John says elsewhere, right? The Bible continually comes back to this theme, and though, yes, there's so much more to talk about, making sure that we have this piece in order covers all the rest, right? That's my point for today. That's what I want to walk you through in this passage. Um, next slide, please. Is this what we believe? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Is that in our theology? Is that how we say you now know that you're part of the church because you love? I stumbled across this, by the way. So when I announced the passage, I said 7 through 12. And I said that because whenever I do a wedding with this passage, it's 7 to 12, not 7 to 21. And so that came out automatically. I've obviously done that a few times. It's our wedding verse, verse 12. And so I was walking through this passage, actually doing a wedding at the time, and came across this line. And I go, what? Is that what we believe? I've known people have gotten a lot of trouble in the church for making this as a statement of faith. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So whenever you see somebody loving, and I'm going to explain love a little more fully, whenever you see someone loving truly, this is claiming, John is claiming, that they've been born of God and know God. It really messes with our boundaries, doesn't it? Because we have a different set of boundaries. It's if you say certain things and do certain things, then you are in and know God. And John is saying, at least here, all right, there's more in the Bible, of course, but he's saying here, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And I wonder, I wonder, is it true that as you bump into somebody who's being loving, even if they don't even understand church and the other things that are part of our deal here, that they're at least showing us a piece of what God is already doing in their life, and that maybe what we should be looking at there is not, first of all, what they don't have, but celebrating the fact that, as John has said, their love is an indication that God's already at work in their life, and that's the journey with them that we want to walk on to draw them even closer into community, assuming that that's what this is all about. Next slide, please. This is just one verse earlier. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. 
but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. I sort of just want to say, I'm really glad that this verse is before the part I'm preaching on, because that's even more confusing, and I'm not sure I can explain it. Is that okay if I just do that with this passage? I'll do a little more. So, I certainly don't walk around going, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor, and I know some theology, so anybody who doesn't listen to me isn't part of God. I think that would be mostly arrogant, right, and horribly dangerous. So, what is John actually talking about when he has this bold confidence that we're from God and anyone else who's from God is going to listen to us? I think you need the next verse when we already talked about. It's in that loving. It's in that loving. I think we sometimes underestimate the power of how love actually works such that it's one thing to argue with somebody and say, hey, I have better ideas than you do and my ideas make more sense than yours. It's more powerful to be a loving presence, a truly loving presence to them, and see them melt or warm up or whatever they do that allows them then to enter into that relationship. I think that's what John's getting at. Next, next slide, please. So what if, what if the content of knowing is actually love? Right? So we sometimes do this. Yeah, the Bible's about love, but it's also about truth. And we kind of pit them off against each other as if there's knowing and there's loving, and you got to pick which team you're on. What if the thing you need to know, the thing we need to teach, the thing we need to measure in our church education, if you will, is how much are we growing in our ability to love? What if that is actually the content? Whoever does not love does not know God, John says, because God is love, and so to know God is to know love. So you might be hearing, I think that, you can't guess what I'm supposed to do the next slide. Go ahead, I was kidding. Yes, you may do the next slide, sorry. <laughs> then, don't joke with people in a different room, it doesn't work. Then we better, then we better know what love is. So if, if love is the content of our theology, and the point of following Jesus, because God is love, we better understand love, because as, as Spencer said in our devotions at a uh, pastoral elders and deacons meeting, he loves beer and wings with the same word that he uses to love his wife. It's a direct quote, right? Spencer, oh, he went out. Okay. Then it is a direct quote. Right? We use that word love for pizza. Pizza. <laughs> and for God. Right? And so... The word in English, anyways, has way too much range. The Bible has a whole bunch of different loves. It has eros, it has phileos, it has agape, which is that deepest kind of love. The Old Testament has different words for love as well, right? And so the first thing we want to do is understand that love that we're talking about here is not everybody who has a nice, warm feeling knows God, right? Everybody has nice, warm feelings, and that's awesome, great. Hope you have lots of them. Right? But the love we're talking about here is the deeper understanding of love that comes from what God has put into this world as the deepest truth. So, this is love first. It's received. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. So, parents, I'm going to throw us collectively under the bus here. When somebody gives your child something and they don't say thank you, you say to them, what do you say? And they say, thank you, right? Or if your child hurts somebody and, and you're trying to make amends there, 
you say, what do you say? And you tell them to say, sorry. Are they necessarily sorry? We all know the answer is probably not. They're just doing it because you made them, right? When Graham was up here, sorry, Graham, forgot to ask permission for this. Thanks, Graham. And he said, we're going to have prayer and potluck next week in his retired cop voice. You all thought, I better go because that guy's scary, right? Because he, he gives you that authority voice and you think, I got to go. But what if, what if the way we actually learn things like being sorry and saying, and being thankful is by seeing people be sorry to us and thankful for us? Because that's in fact how it works. And again, parents, feel free to get your kids to practice those actions, but we all recognize, right, that the truth of thankfulness and the truth of confession is learned because you've received it. You've been forgiven, and so you go, that's amazing. That really blessed me. That restored me. I'm going to actually do that for other people because I want to bless and restore them as well. That's how love works. We love because we've experienced through other people God's love for us, right, and we want to then pass that on. Next slide, please. It is an ought of fit. I'm sure that needs some explanation. That's a quote from the late Lou Smeads. I heard him in about 1994 give an amazing set of uh, teachings, and he taught about the ought of fit because so often someone's working on something in their life and we say, you should do this. You ought to do this. And today we're doing that, right? You ought to go into the ministry fair and join some of our groups because that's going to help you. Hopefully what we're trying to say is not we need people in our groups and so we need you to go there so that it looks like we have good groups. Hopefully what we're trying to say is I think it would actually be the most fitting thing for the journey that you are on, because I love you, to be part of one of those kinds of things. That's what I'm trying to say. I hope that's what we're all trying to say. Right? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And that's not getting in each other's faces and saying, you ought to love. Because that's not actually how love grows again, right? It's an ought to fit. It only makes sense. It is the most accurate way to show that you understand how much God loves you is that you then respond by loving other people in similar kinds of ways. An ought to fit. Loose meads. Next slide, please. Love partners us with God. I love this verse partially because it's our wedding text. No one has ever seen God. That wasn't part of the wedding text, just the last part. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So that first line, no one has ever seen God, is trying to tell us, well, if they haven't seen God, how do they know God? They know God because they've seen love completed in us. God's love attaching himself to us, flowing through us and touching other people's lives. And when people see that, they see love. The song we sang earlier, sorry, I don't have the words of the title in my head anymore, talked all about how when we love and people see that, that's how they experience God, right? This is why it's so important that the church understands that the main point of all of our teaching is love and not having the right answers. Because if you make having the right answers the main thing about church, people come in and say, oh, I don't have those right answers, therefore I'm not part of this, and I'm out. But if you make the main thing 
truth, I mean, main truth, love, then people realize, oh, as I come in here, these people embrace me, and they love me, and they encourage me. I wonder what they think, right? And we're not saying there's no importance to right thinking. Of course there is. But what's the main truth and teaching of following Jesus? It's that God loves you, and that love is meant to transform you and through you to transform others. We are needed by God, if you will, to complete his love, because love is always about sending out something, having it received, and seeing it multiply. That's God's deal. That's the one he calls us into. We complete God's love when we receive it and share it. Next slide, please. Love knows Jesus. If anyone acknowledges, if anyone knows that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Now again, can you say the statement, oh, I know Jesus is the Son of God, and go merrily on your way and be the most horrible person to all kinds of other people along the way? Yes, you can, right? It's not enough to know that as a statement, we understand this. It's a statement that means I know Jesus not as a fact about life, not as simply a person who lived once and did some things, but I know Jesus as the one who did really crazy loving things wherever he went, reaching out to people that seem to be pushed on the outside by society. I know that Jesus, and I know him in here, because I want to be like him. I want to experience his love for me, and I want to be able to share that love with other people. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, who is love, then God lives in them, and they in God. Next slide, please. I may have said this already. The content of knowledge is love. It bears repeating, right? The content of our knowledge is love. The point of everything that we teach is to teach you how to love other people better. And if you merely have a whole bunch of ideas in your mind about what the Bible says and about, the, what, uh, and about what the church teaches, you're missing the main point. Because you should be able to measure every year that you follow Jesus that you've worked on an area of love. So, of course, I get to go first because that's my job. I'm working on this. Strangely enough, this sermon's very hard for me to preach because I don't like it when people don't see it this way. You know what happens when you don't like it? When people don't see things your way, you get angry at them. And you know what anger is just really a byproduct of? It's hate, right? Not love. It's the opposite. So even as I want to teach people that love is the core of what it means to follow Jesus, I'm working on my own love life, my own ability to go, Jesus, you love me even when I didn't get things. I need to continue to love people even as they see these things differently than I do. So we know and rely on, depend on, trust in the love that God has for us. I keep going back to God loves me just the way I am, and he's continuing to work on me. I'm going to continue to love others. Next slide, please. Love is a fearless relationship. I hope you haven't heard that kind of a statement too many times to let that power sink in. Love is fearless. Love is fearless. So when I walk in here in the morning, 
If Ruth Ann hasn't dressed me, I walk in terrified that I'm wearing the wrong clothes and someone's going to look at me and go, I can't believe you're wearing that together, right? When I walk in here, more importantly, and I know I have to stand on this platform and speak what I think God's truth that has been given to me, I'm scared because you're going to evaluate it, right? I'm still on that journey of understanding that what matters is God loves me and is working through me. What you people assess me as is interesting, but it's not the point of life, right? Try and live your life that way. Try and live your life such that I know I am God's, and that makes me okay. And the fact that other people have different opinions and different feelings about me and different reactions to me, yeah, that's data, that's information, that happens. But I'm already in Jesus. Who else's love do I really need? Anybody else have a little bit of work to do in that area yet? Actually, we'll do it the easy way. Keep your hand down if you still have work to do on that area, right? Because we also fear putting up our hands in church for some reason. So we all have something to work on there. These are long, hard things, folks. I know that sometimes what people are trying to say when they're saying, oh, we're just talking about love, that's easy. Oh, you've got to be kidding. Love is the hardest thing. We have a hard time just accept being loved, right? Tell somebody that you love them and see them start to shake. We have a hard time receiving love, knowing we're fully loved, and a harder time embracing and loving, especially the people who are different than other than us and other than us. Isn't that strange that we're commissioning today and saying, you know, God made all these strange people with all these different kinds of gifts and that he's guaranteeing that we're different from each other. And our biggest fear is, how do I fit in? I'm kind of scared of what people will say. There is no fear in love, John puts out to us. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And when God loves you, the first thing he communicates to you is, it is not my desire to punish you, but to love you. The whole Bible is that love story of God going, yep, you messed it up at the beginning and then all the way through the Old Testament, you messed it up, but I was there, I was loving you, I was chasing you, I was finding you, I was hanging on to you. I was after you and I sent Jesus as that message, I love you and I want you to know that above all else. God is not the great big meanie in the sky waiting for a chance to see what we're doing wrong so he can punish us. He's the crazy, gracious God saying, I have already entered into your world and paid that price. I want you to know my love. I want you to know my compassion. I want you to know my grace. And you'll know that when you no longer live in fear, but you live out of the love that I have given you. Last, next slide, please. It's not the last one. Six days you shall love, and on the seventh, rest in repeated truth. I just didn't want to end a sermon with six points. It needs seven to be complete. So just look at this. These are all the points I've made, and these are verses I haven't even gotten to yet. I just keep saying this over and over again because this is a core truth. God is love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Soak it in. 21, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I know people who have open enmity 
with actual brothers and sisters. They don't talk to each other. But they have their theology right, and so they're okay in the church. That's just plain wrong, isn't it, folks? The main thing we need to do is restore relationships. That's the heart of our theology. And all of us have some work to do on that journey. Let's join together in doing that. Next slide, last slide. Here's three ways. Hang out with God in word and prayer. Next week, we're having potluck and prayer. It's a chance to hang out together with other people in prayer. I trust that you have some sort of prayer pattern in your own journey, and if not, let's work on how you can do that. Hanging out with God in prayer is, and this is next week's sermon, about experiencing and receiving his love. That's why you hang out. You don't hang out so that you can report to the prayer team, I actually pray every day for this long. That's nice, and I hope you do, right? But the purpose for doing that is to sit in God's love. And so if your prayer pattern does not ever give you an experience of sitting in God's love, find a new one because it's not actually working, right? It's not getting you where you need to go. Second one, serve others with your gifts. Find ways, and many of us are doing this, so keep on doing this. Find ways to touch the lives of others because as you act in love, you more fully experience and complete God's love. And finally, be in loving community. You can watch a worship service and experience a worship service from home or here, right? But unless you have relationships, conversations, connections where you experience something going on that you are blessed and others are blessed through you, right? There's more. There's more. There's more. Folks, God is love. Whoever loves knows God. And when God gives us that love, it's our privilege and ought to fit to share that with others. Let us pray. Lord God, we have connected you and love together for as long as we've known you. And we ask that you continue to work in us a deeper and deeper understanding of what, that, what that means in action, what that looks like in our relationships, where it is that we need to grow in our ability to be loved by you and to love one another. Guide us, we pray, in your holy name. Amen.